showing by the Spirit that January, or sorry, that 2019 was about your fruitfulness. And so when I pulled this up last night, I was like, well, what was it that I sent to Jennifer? What was the sermon that God had me prepare three months ago? It's about spiritual hunger. And, you know, if you want to be fruitful, you've got to be hungry so that you can produce fruit. And I thought, look at you, God. You knew on this day that I was going to have a preach a sermon. And it fits perfectly with what you've been teaching about being fruitful. So I, I just I just had to share that. I thought that was amazing. God does that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah, he's outside of time, man. He's, he's, he's not in time with us. He's before and after. He's the beginning and the end. He sees the end from the beginning. I mean, he's, he's just omniscient and all-powerful. And he knows this sort of stuff. And that's our daddy. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. So, um, before we get started, uh, if, if you could come and, and pray for the, the word. Father God, we thank you today that our minds are alert, our heart is receptive. We are ready to receive the unadulterated truth, the word of God today. So we come before you today, Lord, and we hear what the man of God said. We believe, Father, because we hear from this pulpit, we're about to receive something. We pray, Lord, whatever, all of us might receive something different, but we receive it now. And we rejoice that you brought us a word that we need to hear today. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. 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 Thank you. I needed that. I feel a little bit nervous. I haven't done this in a while. But the anointing of God's going to kick in. This is going to be an awesome word because God knows Amen. what he's doing. Amen. Amen. Before I get started, I want to tell something a little funny. <clears throat> I know I'm going to get in trouble with my wife and Pastor Sally and by the looks of it, a few other women in the church. But I'm going to go ahead and tell her anyway. Four blondes. See, I'm in trouble already. Four blondes run into a bar yelling, 85 days! And the guy says, well, what's 85 days? And the four blondes say, we completed a puzzle in 85 days. And the box said, two to four years. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, uh, pull that first one up. Um, don't... Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. So we are soil. That's the first point I want to make. So if you want to write that down, we are soil. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus is telling parables as he often did. In this particular instance, he's talking about uh, seed being sown into good ground and producing. And what he's talking about there is us. Right? Now we can use this principle of sowing seed, reaping a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold for our finances because. It's the principle of seed, time, and harvest, which the word says as long as earth remains, seed, time, and harvest remains. So we can also apply this principle. We see this in nature. I mean, it's hard to believe that we're going to sow a seed and it's going to produce a hundredfold for some reason. I don't know why we have a hard time believing that. Take a tiny little apple seed, put it in the ground. What's it going to produce? A gigantic apple tree with what on it? Apples. A bunch of apples with a bunch of seeds that can be planted into more trees to create more apple trees and more apples with more seeds in it. And it just grows and grows and grows and it multiplies exponentially. So why we have such a hard time believing the 30, 60, fold harvest return, I, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess we just forgot about that principle in, in the natural earth. But God's supernatural, which means above the natural. So Amen. that's not in my notes. That was free. Amen. That's not what we're talking about today. But we are also the soil that he's talking about in this parable. And what we see from this is that we can choose to be 30, 60, or 100 fold soil. 
In Genesis, the Bible tells us that we are made from dirt. But that's not the kind of soil I'm talking about. <laughs> In Matthew 13, 8, it says, Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times that was sown. So there's, there's choices here. Yes. Right? We're the soil, and we choose what we want to produce. All right. Break it down. Point number two is that we can bear no fruit, some fruit, or much fruit. Yes. Again, we're talking about spiritual hunger this morning because if we're going to produce fruit and be fruitful in this year of fruitfulness, we have to choose to be spiritually hungry so that we produce for our king. If he gave his life for us, shouldn't we also do the same in return? We're, we're dead in Christ, but he's alive in us. So we're alive in him. So the least we can do is live that life to the fullness of what he paid for by choosing to be fruitful. We can bear no fruit, some fruit, All right. or much fruit. Much fruit. See, it, it, it doesn't happen automatically. <laughs> I like that. We choose to, be, to bear no fruit, some fruit, or much fruit. Yeah. All right. If you just sit back and take a back seat and think like the world and talk like the world and act like the world, you're not going to produce fruit for your king. You have to choose whether you're going to bear some fruit, no fruit, or much fruit. In John 15, 2, it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to be one of those that gets cut off because I'm not bearing fruit. Come on now. <clears throat> While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will it will be even more fruitful. Yes. So there's your three choices. No fruit and get cut off. Some fruit, let him prune you so you can produce more fruit. You see that? Yes. And point number three is that God expects us to grow and increase in the graces, gifts, and talents that he's given us. He expects us to grow and increase in these the things that he's given us. In Matthew 25, 14 through 30, we'll read a, a story. This will be the longest portion of scripture we'll probably read today. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Each according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave, gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. All right. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Amen. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags of gold came and said, Master, look, you gave me two bags and I gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Before I read on, I want to point out right there. 
Did you notice what just happened there? The man with the five came back with five. The man with the two came back with two. What was the difference between the master's reply with between the two servants? None. Come on. Where are you at in your walk? If you're sowing this much in your time, this much with your wealth, this much with your talents and treasures, but somebody else is also doing the same thing, but not the same amount that you are, or vice versa, don't get in condemnation. Just because somebody that's been in the kingdom for a long time is sowing more than you are, that's okay. You're sowing. Are you giving your time, talent, and treasure to the kingdom? You're going to get the same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Let me give you some more things that you can do. Come on now. It's okay. You did good. Pat yourself on the back. Say thank you, Jesus, and keep going. That's the encouragement I think you need to hear today. No matter where you're at in the kingdom, keep on giving. Keep on sowing. Keep on serving. Because well done is the response you're getting from your king. Now, let's move on. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, keyword fear there, and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. I gave it back. See, here it is. Here it is. And the master said, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, the one who didn't do anything with it, who acted out of fear and hid it. Take that bag from him and give it to the one who has the ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want to be that guy. We can bear no fruit, some fruit, or much fruit. Let's be the well done and good and faithful servant. Let's get that response because we're doing something. Right? We're not doing nothing. We're not acting like the world, thinking like the world, talking like the world. We're digging in with spiritual hunger. Yes. Amen? Amen. Number four, we can choose to focus on the unseen, eternal realm, rather than the physical, temporary realm. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about being so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, and you know, you just sit in your room and, and, and you know, you're in the heavenlies all the time and you never go out and do things. You got to go to work. You got to take care of your kids. You got to pay your bills. You got to take care of your grass. I'm not. I'm not talking woo woo crazy. That's not what we're talking about here. But we can choose to focus on the unseen eternal realm that, rather than the physical temporary realm as our priority way of thinking. Is everything you do as unto God? Is everything that you do in life and what you're thinking about? Focused on the priority of the word of God? Or is it me, 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 and oh, look what the world's doing. I want to do that too. And you just throw everything out that the kingdom and the king is telling you to do. I know this is a little bit of a heavy message, but this is actually good news. Because I'm showing you, with the, at the end of this, what you're seeing is what spiritual hunger is going to do for you. It's going to make you fruitful. All right. Not just in this life, but in the world to come. All right. 
The good news is you don't have to wait till we go to heaven to get the rewards. We'll see that here in a minute. But what if we did? Let's just think about that for a second. What if there were no rewards in this life of 70 to 120 years? If you took a bird and he went to the west coast and got a grain of sand and flew it to the east coast and dropped it off on a beach. And he went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until the entire west coast beach was gone and he moved it all to the east coast. How long would that take? Like a long time. Eternity would just be beginning. When you put things in the perspective of eternity, this 70 to 120 years that you're here, if you got no rewards, which you do, but if you didn't, isn't it worth it to dig in, to get spiritually hungry, to produce much fruit so that for the rest of eternity you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's good news. Good news, come on. And the, the, the great news is that you can choose. It doesn't just happen. It's not like she does nothing and she gets all kinds of rewards. He does nothing and he gets no rewards. That's not how it works. You get to choose. That's the great news. We can choose to focus on the unseen eternal realm rather than the physical temporary realm. In 2 Corinthians 4, 18, it says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is, temp since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We can choose to focus on the unseen eternal realm Amen. rather than the physical temporary realm. Point number five, without faith, it is impossible to please God. All right. All right. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yes. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. <laughs> And he also must believe that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Pastor Sally has taught us a lot about using your faith to believe for those things that God has put as a dream in your heart. Yes, God puts dreams in your heart. Things that he wants you to believe for. Why does he do that? Because he wants to help you grow your faith. And because you know what? You're his baby. Amen. How many parents do we have in here? If your kid asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? No. If he asked for bread, would you give him a stone? No. How many of y'all like giving Christmas gifts to your kids? Come on, show me in. How many y'all like giving Christmas gifts to your, to your kids? How many grandparents do we have in here? Ah, there we go. How many of y'all like giving your grandkids presents for Christmas? Yeah, see? That's the best. That's the best. <laughs> I, have, I have three grandkids And I tell you There's nothing like it That love that you have For that child You just want to buy The whole world for them Even though the parents Are going Don't buy that for them You're like I will too I'm a grandparent I'll buy anything I want for that kid <laughs> You love giving Great gifts To your kids And grandkids Right? Amen. How much more Would our Heavenly Father Who is love Who is good All the time not want to give us great gifts. Mm -hmm. So he puts dreams in our hearts because he wants you to believe him for those things. And that's why we have to come to him in faith 
and believe that he is a rewarder. It, it actually tells us in this verse why it's impossible to please God without faith. Because without faith, you can't receive what he has for you. And if you believe that he exists, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay. So his heart is love, it's give, it's reward, but he can't if you won't receive it by faith. All right, now, that's a word. So he's up there going, see, I told you I wouldn't be able to sit for long. He, right. He's up there going, hey, baby, I got something good for you. Come and get it. Please, this is the best gift ever. Come and get it. And you're like, I don't know. I mean, I, I messed up last week. Nobody in my family's ever had a nice house. Come on, come on. Make it plain. Touch somebody. I mean, I'm not perfect. And, I mean, I know your word says that I'm righteous, but I don't know. No, 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 no. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are children of God. He loves you with more love than you can possibly imagine. He has good gifts for you. If you wake up one day and you're like, I really like that house. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know if God wants me to have it because I'm not. No, no, no. God put that dream in your heart. It may not be today. It may not be next year. It may be 10 years from now. But from faith to faith, we go. From level to level, we go. And at some point, if you will stay in this, yeah. if you'll stay spiritually hungry, yes. You will go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and you will manifest the glory of God on earth. In heaven, there's no lack. Think about this for a second. This is not my notes. This is free. But the disciples who spent three and a half years with the creator of the universe, walking around, seeing all these incredible miracles, so many miracles, the Bible says, that if they wrote them all down, there would not be enough room in the earth to hold the Amen. books. Amen. We read the New Testament and go, wow, look at all those awesome miracles Jesus did. That was a drop in the bucket. Yeah. He did multiplied times more than that. Yeah. They just couldn't write it all down. Yeah. And the disciples saw this. They watched him make eyes where there were no eyes. Had people walk when they were could not able to walk their whole life. Opened up deaf ears and they never could hear their entire life. And what did the disciples come to Jesus and say? Show us how to walk on water. No. Show us how to make that guy's arm come out. No. Show us how you put eyeballs in some dude's socket. No. What did they ask him? Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. You think that's pretty important if that's what they asked him to teach them how to do? In that prayer, we notice the Lord's Prayer. He teaches them, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name, so on and so forth. And he ends it with, Father, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus. If Jesus walked in the room and you said, teach me how to pray, and he said, your prayer should include, your kingdom come on earth as it is. As it is in heaven. Is it lack in heaven? No, no. Is it sick in heaven? No, no. Is it tortured in your mind in heaven? Then it shouldn't be that way on earth. That is what we are supposed to be praying for. 
Not, well, Father, if it's your will, you'll heal this person. Show me that in the Bible. Come on, Kevin. Jesus healed them all. By his stripes, you maybe possibly, if you were good enough, healed. He became poor that you might possibly, I don't know, if you're good enough, become rich and abundantly. No, not really. No. You will. If he became poor and you receive it by faith, you will be rich and abundantly supplied. Why? You are kids of the king of the kingdom where there is no lack, there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no sorrow. Why? Is Jesus for it all. Come on now. Not in the sweet by and by when you die. Here in the nasty here and now. That we're supposed to turn into the kingdom of heaven on earth. Even Psalms under the old covenant long for the days of heaven on earth. Why would David prophetically declare heaven, days of heaven on earth? Because by the Spirit of God, he prophesied the future that our King paid for. Which was to restore us back to what it was like at the beginning with Adam and Eve before sin ever entered the earth. That's what we're supposed to be believing for. Amen. So, if that's God's will, gifts, rewards, blessing, healing, He rewards those who diligently seek Him. If that's what He wants, wouldn't you think He would be pleased to give it to you? But if you can't receive because you're not in faith, He can't give it to you. Therefore, He's not pleased. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. With all that being said, let me read this again. Maybe it'll jump out at you. And without faith, it is impossible to please your daddy. Yeah. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Mm-hmm. Does that verse just like totally click now? I hope so. But the key I want to point out here is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are you hungry this morning? I'm not talking about lubies after we get out of here. I'm talking about spiritual hunger. Here's the good news. Point number six. If you draw near to your father, he will draw near to you. He's not going, oh. He's not trying to run away from you. He's like, oh, there's my baby. Hey, hey, come on, come on, come on. He's coming to you when you are coming to him. He will run and embrace you with his love. And with him comes all the blessings of heaven. Peace of mind, healing. Earnestly seek him, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. James 4, 8 says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. So there's your word. There's your promise. God's not running away from you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. If you blow it, run up to the throne. The throne of grace and mercy. In a time of need. Hi, Daddy. I blew it again. Not, oh, 
so much worth it. Oh, I'm so high. Um, I, I, oh, I really I messed up again. Boldly approach his throne because Jesus paid an incredible price for us to walk up to that throne and say, Daddy, I messed up again. And I thank you that you have mercy and, and your covenant of forgiveness covers me. And I am forgiven. And I thank you that your grace empowers me to not ever do it again. Grace is not a license to sin. It's an empowerment not to sin. And if you are aware of what God has for you and you believe that you receive it by faith, it will manifest. That's not just a new car or a new house or healing. That includes the grace of God to help you be empowered to not walk in sin. So boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy in a time of need and you'll receive it because your daddy is madly in love with you. Amen? Number seven, not lacking in zeal, fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord. Uh, I think what I missed here is uh, these are uh, eight, eight things that spiritually hungry people do. That's what these, these points are, by the way. Sorry, I mentioned that at the beginning. <clears throat> Number seven, not lacking in zeal, fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And I think I have to, I do the definition. Zeal is great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of something. So to grow in God, you should be not lagging in great energy or enthusiasm and pursuing Him. All right. Fervent in spirit in serving the Lord. That's something that a spiritually hungry person will do. They'll have great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of their daddy. Are you pursuing your daddy with great enthusiasm? Or are you coming in and punching your time clock on Sunday morning? I'm not getting on you. I'm trying to show you how to grow. I'm trying to show you how to produce so that we can be a fruitful body this year. Because with it comes all the rewards and the blessings. You're not trying to get God to bless you. He took care of that 2,000 years ago at the cross. But you have to receive it. It's already paid for. It's already in your account in heaven. You have to receive it by faith. And you're not going to do that if you've got a conscience issue. Because you know you ain't been spending time with your daddy. Nobody walks up to their daddy after like telling him he don't want him to do with it for six months. And then just walks up and goes, can I have a million dollars? No. But if you have a relationship with that dad. And he's got a million dollars. He'll give it to you. Right? Am I right? Right. So, spiritual hunger says, I have great energy and enthusiasm in pursuit of my daddy. Amen. Number eight, we must feed our spiritual passion because without wood, the fire goes out. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, this is your key on how to keep that spiritual hunger going. You might be going, I want to be hungry for God. I just don't know how. Well, without wood, the fire goes out. Without gossip, a squirrel dies down. That's in Proverbs. Don't know if it has to do with the message, but it was in there. That's just the second half of the verse. Thank you, Solomon. Without wood, a fire goes out. We all know what that means. You got a fire, if you don't put wood in it, it's going to go out. Why? Because the wood is the fuel that fuels the fire. 
So now I want to give you seven things that hungry people do alone because this is the fuel that's going to fuel that fire and keep that passion to be spiritually hungry alive. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. All right. <laughs> Number one, seven things hungry people do alone. Number one, they pray. Yeah. In First Thessalonians five seventeen, Paul admonishes the Thessalonians. Say that ten times really fast. To pray continually or pray without ceasing. Yeah. Does that mean you're going to be sitting there in your office? Hubba 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 shandai shandai. Yes, thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that all these heathen sinners around me that are going to hell are going to be sitting. Well, that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he means by praying continually. You have to do your job. You can't be praying when you're on the telephone with a phone call out loud. But what you can do is stay in a spirit of communication. That's what prayer is. That's good, Kevin. That's good. Prayer is a communication, an open channel with your Father. If everything that you do is in reference to your relationship with the Father, how you talk, how you act, what you do, what you're thinking, all of that will be centered around your relationship with Dad, with Father God. Amen. So everything that you do, you're in constant communication with the Father. And if you'll do that, oh, wow. The rewards are amazing. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in the office. Mm-hmm. This isn't bragging on me. This is bragging on my daddy. Mm-hmm. I'll be sitting in a meeting. And everybody in the room will like, I don't know. How are we going to solve that problem? And, and because I stay in constant communication with my daddy, he goes, yeah. tell him that if you just do this and this and yeah. this. Yeah. So I'll go, um, I have an idea. I'm not going to stand up and go, Hallelujah, thus saith the Lord. If we shall then thine, take thine computer program. They're gonna lock me up if I do that. So, but I, I can, I can, I can say, I have an idea. What if we did X, Y, and Z? And everybody looks at me like, "Where did you get that from? That that will work." Because I'm staying in constant communication yeah. with the Creator yeah. of the universe. Yeah. You think maybe He knows a thing or two about how to fix a computer program? Come on, come on. Yeah. That's what He means by. Pray continually or pray without ceasing. Just stay in constant communication with your father. Keep an open channel. Because he might be like, you know, if you were to just switch that switch over there, that would, that would take that problem. Brilliant. You're so brilliant, Dad. Thank you. If we just uh, switch that switch over there, that would fix that problem. <laughs> right? Right? How do you stay in that kind of constant communication, though? Yes. Seven things hungry people do alone yeah. is what we're talking about right here. Yeah. So when you're at home at night or in the morning or whenever it is that you have some alone time, are you filling your head full of garbage from the television or the radio or a book? Are you hanging out with people that are speaking things that are in contradiction to the word of God? Or are you spending time alone with your father in your prayer closet? You're preaching good, brother. I'm just letting you know. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Because a hungry person will pray when they're alone. Yes. All right. That's where you develop that relationship. Yeah. You know, parents, y'all all know, your kids, they know your voice. You could be in a grocery store and you'll go, Johnny! And they'll be like, yes, mom? <laughs> they know your voice. Why? Because you've spent time together. Yeah. Yeah. And if when you're alone, you'll spend time together with your father in prayer. 
half the time talking, the other half, shut up and listen. He's always talking. He's the word. He never stops talking. Listen. I like to begin my prayers like this. And I just started doing this recently. I'm not some super spiritual person. I heard somebody say it. And I thought, that's beautiful. I begin my prayers like this. Hi, Daddy. What's on your heart? What do you want me to do? And then I just shut up. Instead of coming to him with my list of things, which is fine. He wants you to make your petitions. No, that's in the word. But I don't start there anymore. Because half the time, if I'll just shut up and listen to what's on his heart, it might be solutions to the problems that I have on my list. All right, all right, you're making it plain. So I just start first thing. You know, hey, Daddy, how's it going? It's been, it's been, it's been a few hours. Um, what's on your heart? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to share? Is there somebody that you want me to pray for today? And then, after you sit and listen for a while, they, they bring me petitions. Okay, so I got this bill, and uh, some help with <laughs> there's this guy at work, and uh, he ain't being real nice to me. Amen. So I need you to take care of that. <laughs> you know, bring your list. It's okay. He, he don't. He ain't scared of your list. Come on now. He can solve your, your list. But again, who's going to confidently go to a father and ask for something that you haven't spent time building a relationship with that father? So hungry people. When they're alone, pray. Number two, they speak in tongues. Now, if you've never done this before, you've never heard of this, or you've heard of it, and maybe in another church you're like, that's the devil, or that's... It's not woo-woo, y'all. It's, it's not. It's ain't some crazy, weird thing. We actually talk about it in Firm Foundation, don't we? I believe. And I think we're maybe even going to be putting together a class specifically around praying in spirit. And uh, if you've never done that before, we will gladly walk you through that after church today, uh, after we're done. It is something that I I can't recommend enough. It's not crazy. It's not weird. It could be speaking in tongues. It could be groans and utterances, the Bible calls it in some places. It may just be, oh, Jesus. Right? Depends on what you're praying about and how deep that thing is that you need to pray out. But you're... You're praying with words that you don't necessarily understand, but your daddy understands. Yes. I don't speak Spanish. I know a little. I don't speak French. I know a little. But those are just different languages. Well, there's a language in the heavenlies. Yes. Yes. It's just a different language. That's all it is. It's not woo-woo. It's not right. devils. Make it plain. Yep. It's in the Bible. Go read Acts chapter 2. That's where it started and it ain't stopped ever since. Come on. And let me tell you why I highly recommend it. This is not my notes, but it's it's a method of, of gaining wisdom from the God who created the universe. Yeah. It's a method for praying the will of God when you don't necessarily know what the will of God is. Make it it's it's uh, one of my favorite things. It's a release valve. Yeah. You ever get to a place where you're just like, I'm so frustrated. I'm so, oh, it's like, why isn't this working? Or why won't I get healed? Or why is this bill? Why is this, and when I feel that rising up in me, I just stop and I go into praying in the spirit. Yeah, Lord. And when I do, it's like a little valve gets turned in. Yes, Lord. Yes, amen. All that pressure and frustration and stress just goes. Not, not the thing that caused the frustration or stress. It may still be there. But 
because the spirit is flowing through me, he brings the peace of the king of peace. And, and that just, it's like a release valve. I can't recommend it enough. This, this message isn't about that, so I'm not going to go into too much of that. But a hungry person, when they're alone, will pray in the Spirit. First uh -huh. Corinthians 14.5. I would like, this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth, and he's addressing um, the order of, tr of church services, okay, where a lot of people were praying in tongues, but they weren't interpreting or doing prophecy. So he's basically saying, you know, in a church service, if all you do is speak in tongues and nobody understands you, that doesn't really build anybody up. So you should be interpreting that or you should be prophesying in your language so that it builds people up. That's not the point that I'm making here. That's what he's talking about. But the point is this. Paul says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Paul, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said, I would like that every one of you Speak in tongues. Another place he says, I pray the Spirit more than you all. You want something to brag about? Brag about the fact that you're praying in the Spirit and having constant communication with the Father by the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants you bragging about. I pray in tongues more than you all do. I wish that you would all pray in tongues. Paul said that. The writer of the, most of the New Testament. You think it's pretty important? It's very important. Yeah. Seven things hungry people do alone. They pray, and they pray in the Spirit. Number three, they fast. Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, here's, here's what you do when you do fast. If you don't know what that means, I think most people do, because we break the fast for breakfast every morning. You fast is, is you set aside something that you really like. It could be a complete fast where you don't eat anything. It could be just water. It could be you stop drinking sodas. That's between you and God. Just pray about it and say, what is something you want me to give up during this time of fasting? Because you're not changing God's mind because you stopped drinking a soda. What you're doing is you are putting down your desire for his. So instead of thinking about, oh, I can't wait to drink that soda and eat that big old pizza and then french fries and then bread, you're going, you're going, okay, I'm not going to drink the soda and eat the pizza and the french fries right now. What do you want to tell me? Because now you're not focused on food, you're focused on Father. Yes. That was good right there. <laughs> you're not focused on food, you're focused on Father. That's all fasting is. is, is it's, it's strengthening your spirit and putting down your natural desire. Yes. So that you'll be, you'll be more in tune with what the Spirit is saying. Yes. So when you do fast, here's the rules. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces. Oh, I'm so hungry. I haven't had a go for pizza in three days. They do that so that they can show others that they're fasting. Because they want to look super spiritual. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. So when you do fast, because remember, these are seven things people do, hungry people do when they're alone. When you are fasting, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. In other words, don't make it so obvious to the whole world that you're fasting. You know, are you hungry? You want to go out to eat for lunch? No, brother, I'm fasting today. Can't you tell I'm so hungry? No, don't, don't do that. Just say, 
Hello, thank you. That, that, that's so kind of you. Um, actually, I have uh, an appointment. Because you do. You got an appointment with your dad. Just don't, don't make a big deal out of it. You don't need to brag it all up fast. And Come on, Kevin. Make a point. Just, you know, that's between you and God. Number four, seven things some of you people do alone. They worship. John 4.23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Your Father is seeking for you to worship Him in Spirit and in truth. The fourth thing that hungry, spiritually hungry people do when they're alone is they worship. Amen. In Spirit and in truth. Just... Adoration and thankfulness and gratefulness to your father. Thank you, Daddy. You are so good. You're such a good daddy. I love you so much. I can't do anything without you. You have empowered me to do this and that. You've given me these talents and these gifts. You've blessed me with a wonderful home. This awesome wife or husband or children or whatever. You've blessed my children with health. You're so you're so awesome. I'm so grateful. Most of all, you sent your son to die for me so that I could be reconciled unto you forever. And you've given me the ability to communicate with you directly by the Spirit. Thank you. That, that's worship. Amen. And if you need some help, pull out your worship CD. I mean, um, iTunes or I don't have CDs anymore. Spotify or whatever you use. You know, there's some great, there's some great lyrics that will keep you into that flow of worshiping God. It doesn't mean, worship doesn't mean you put on a slow song and, and you sing. That, that's not worship. Worship is, is just coming to your Father with praise and adoration and gratefulness and thankfulness and just telling Him how good He is yeah. and how much you love Him and how you just can't wait to spend more time with Him. Amen. That's worship. And if you need a worship song to help you, then that's fine. No problem. Personally, I just like putting on some soft music and just sit back and just tell Daddy how great He is. So that's the fourth thing that seven uh, hungry people do alone. Number five. How are we doing on time? Okay. Number five. The fifth thing that hungry people do alone is they read the Bible. Second yeah. Timothy 2, 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Amen. If you're not spending time alone... In your alone time, reading the we word. Need to we're going to put a slide up a past the Why are not so spiritually hungry? Because when I do the commitment call. We're a church of fruitfulness. This is the year of fruitfulness, 2019. We're going to produce fruit. Maybe Amen. Amen. How are we going to do that? So they'll know what she is. Read your Bible. Amen. What about the one before? Oh, it's a different one. The next thing that hungry people okay. do alone is they study the word. You just said that. No, that's not what I said. I said to read the Bible. That's just feeding you yourself. Okay. We're spiritual beings. We need to be spiritually feeding ourselves with the Word of God. That's reading the Bible. But this next one, study the Word, is different. In 2 Timothy 2.15 it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the Word of Truth. How, excuse me, how do you do that? You don't just read the Word. You study yeah. The word. Amen. Meditate. That's a good word. If if I went and picked up the cliff notes of a book, I could tell you about the book. 
But if I wanted to test a pass a final exam in college on the book, I better study the book. Yes. Not just read across to summarize the cliff notes. Does Amen. that make sense? Amen. You see the difference between just reading? Reading feeds your spirit. And you need to do that. Just spend some time reading. Because you may not have time at that moment to you know, really dig in and study. But you still need to read to feed. That's another good one. Study the word is, is a separate thing. It's a separate exercise. Pull out your concordance. Pull out your Google and start searching through stuff. Bible Hub, Bible Gateway, you know, all these different websites and really dig in like don't just read your bible that you have and read that chapter go up on bible gateway and pull that same chapter up and read it in the king james the new king james the, the amplified the message the the young's literal translation because you'll get a better picture of what's going on there if you'll read the various translations because you might miss something like the king james like First of all, none of us speak Shakespearean English. <laughs> thou shalt be thy... We don't even talk like that anymore. So when you read the King James, unless you grew up on it, it may not mean a whole lot to you. So pull out the new King James, which still has some of that poetic feel to it without so many of the these and thou. Pull out the Amplified, which takes the King James and will take a specific word uh, and, and break it down into... Uh, the Greek, it takes the Greek word that's in the concordance, basically. If you were to pull up a concordance and go to that word, it'll say the Greek word is this, and it could mean this, 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 and this. Not just the one word they put in the translation, but these five other words. So it kind of expounds on it and gives you a bigger picture. The Young's Literal Translation is a literal translation from the Greek Septuagint, uh, which was the Greek translation of the Hebrew, as far as the Old Testament. Um, so that's a good one as well, because there's a lot of things we miss going from Hebrew to Greek to English. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's Hebrew to Greek to something to something to something to English. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if you want a really good word-for-word -word translation of the Old and the New Testament, you can go to the Young's Literal or some of the other literal translations that go directly back to the Hebrew and the Greek and translate it directly into English, as opposed to going through five different languages. Y'all ever play that telephone game growing up? Yeah. Where you got like five people in a row or ten people in a row and, and the first person says something to the second person and by the time it gets down to the tenth person it's completely yeah. different. Yeah. That sort of thing might have happened to some degree when we went from Hebrew to Greek to something to something to something to English. <laughs> so that's why I like going back and reading the Young's Little Translation occasionally. It's not as um, fluid and poetic and you know easy to read because it's, it's, a, it's a little more kind of choppy because of its literal translation. But start with like the Amplified and then and then maybe the message. The message is a great one because it, it'll take the idea of a few verses and kind of put it into, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, plain text. Not idiot form. Uh, <laughs> plain text. It's, it's kind of, not literal, kind of literary, like a book. Right, uh, like a novel. That's what I was looking for. So the message is kind of like a novel. If you've never read it, it's a really cool translation. But again, it's not literal, so there may be some things in there that it misses. There might even be some things that uh, Peterson, I think, is the guy who, who translated it. It may have been kind of his opinion of things. So I'd like to go back again to the literal so that I make sure I'm not missing something. Amen. So again, that's studying the word. Yeah. See the difference? Amen. So just picking up your translation, reading a chapter, and putting it down. That's reading the word. Pulling out all the translations, pulling out the concordance, 
maybe go find some commentaries, go look up some history. There are so many things that we miss because we don't know the history of the Jews or the history of the first century church. Like there are different phrases that we think it means one thing and it means something completely different because we Americanized it. And if we go back and, and ask, you know, look in the historical records of what a first century Christian, they were like, oh, yeah, that means something completely different than what we thought it meant. Right. So do some historical digging. That is studying the word. That is something that someone who is spiritually hungry will do alone. Yes. The final thing that spiritually hungry people do when they're alone is they meditate on personal prophecy. In 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul is talking to Timothy. Uh, Paul was the apostle who set up the church. Timothy is the pastor who pastors the church. And he says, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well. So one of the ways that you can fight your spiritual battles is by using any prophetic words that have been spoken over you. So if anybody has given you a prophecy, make sure you write it down and you meditate on that. Read it over and over and over. I was given a word back in the 90s. It's just now starting, like barely starting to come to pass. 20 some odd years later. So don't give up on that word. Amen. Write it down. Meditate on it. And every time the enemy comes along and says, well, this is what's going to happen to you and you'll never do this. And that's never. To... No, right here. See, see, enemy, devil, stupid idiot. You got it wrong. God said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this. I'm going to be this. All right. And wait, are your lips moving, devil? You're the father of lies, so I know it ain't true. Come on now. <laughs> you moving, it must be a lie. Yeah. And the proof of that is, number one, you're talking, and number two, right here, the word of God to me was, that's why you need to meditate on personal prophecy. If you've not gotten a prophetic word given to you, and you want one, your daddy says, if, if you being evil give food when your child asks for it instead of snake... Bread instead of a rock. If you being evil will do that. Of course he was talking to people before they were saying. How much more will your father in heaven who loves you. Give you what you ask for. Mm -hmm. If you want a prophetic word. Ask for it. Amen. Just be warned. <laughs> when you do get them. The opposite of what the word says. Yeah. Might come at you. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't in my notes. But you know. You need to know that. If you get a prophetic word, don't be like, oh, I can't wait. Give me a prophetic word. Give me that. Ooh, yes. Oh, I love this word. I love this. This is Jesus. Oh, my. Millions. Ooh, my big house. Look out because the opposite might come at you. Because that's the enemy going, oh, no. I cannot let that word plant in their heart. Come on now. Why? Because you are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Yes. If you get a hold of that prophetic word. Yes. And you believe it. Yes. And you receive it yes. by faith. And Hallelujah. you declare it by faith. And you start acting as if it were true. Because then when it manifests, you're going to be able to have influence yes. in the earth. Yes. Power in the earth. Yes. People are going to go, I know that guy. Come on now. There ain't no way he got that house. Yes. There ain't no way he got that job. Mm -hmm. All right. I know that girl. I know what she used to do. There's no way she's a preacher. Come on now. Do you know your your pastor's story? Mm-hmm. Amen. Tell it. 
Have you heard your pastor tell her testimony? You know good and well that the devil has come against her multiple times saying, that ain't never going to happen. You remember what you did? You remember how you were? And all she does is go, that, that wasn't me. That person's dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. And oh, by the way, I got a word from the prophet that says this. Yes. And here she stands today. And she is manifesting that word. She is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Yes. Yes. Were you, how many of you were here when Joan Hearn was here a couple weeks ago? She used Pastor Robert as an example. She gave a great word. That was my word, brother. Don't get it. <laughs> she gave a great example of what the enemy thinks about you. Yes. To bring home the point I was just talking about. You're great. You're going to do all these wonderful things. And that's why I'm going to do everything I can to stop you. Yes. He hates you because the very thing he wanted. Made in his image and his likeness. The very thing that, that, that Satan wanted, God just gave to us freely. All we had to do was receive it. That's the first reason the enemy hates you. And the second is he sees what you're going to do to his kingdom. And he hates it. Yes. He's terrified of who you are. He sees who you are more than we do half the time. He can hear through the Spirit what God is saying that you are. But if we're not spiritually hungry people, spending time alone in prayer, praying in the Spirit, praying up mysteries and, and, and gaining wisdom by the Spirit, and hearing what our Father has to say about who we really are. Not that past, not that person that we used to be. Not even the person that we are now in the physical, but the one that God sees us as in the future. But he sees the end from the beginning. So as far as God's concerned, you already are that. He wants you to do like he did and say, I am that. That person that God said, I am, I am that. And when you get that revelation, the enemy, I promise you, is shaking in his boots. Yes. And he'll come at you and say, you're not that. Come on now. You're not that. But if you got your prophetic word from a trusted prophet and you stand on that word, you meditate on that word, you read it, you think it, you speak it out loud and hear it with your own ears, you have your friends and your spouse read it to you if you can trust them with that word. Amen. You meditate on it. What is that like? It's like... Chew on that thing. Just sit there and chew on that word. That prophetic word that you were given. Sometimes God will give it to you directly because there ain't a prophet around to speak it to you. Come on now. And if you're spending time in the prayer closet with your daddy, you have a relationship with him and you know his voice. Amen. When he speaks to you and says something that blows your mind, your mind is like, Pfft. are you sure about that? Mm-hmm. But your spirit goes, no, I know that voice. That's my daddy. Amen. And if you say it's who I am, then that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Write it down. That's your prophetic word. Meditate on it day and night. Because the spoken word of God is just as powerful as the written word of God. And he says to meditate on it day and night. So that you will do what's written. So when you get your prophetic word from a prophet, or if God speaks it to you directly, write it down, make it plain. That's your vision so you can run with it. And then when the enemy comes along and says, you're not that, you can go, sorry, God says I am. Amen. Amen. Meditate on personal prophecies. So those are the seven things hungry people do when they are alone. 
How are we doing on time? Okay, I gotta hurry. Four things hungry people do. Four things hungry people do with others. The Word of God says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves with the other believers like we're doing today. Y'all pat yourselves on the back. Y'all doing good. Y'all came to church this morning. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says to don't forsake this. Do this. Amen. Right? And if you live close enough to another brother and sister in here, don't just wait till Sunday. Go to lunch with them. Hang out with them. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. Amen. Pray for one another. Amen? Amen. So here are the things that, the four things that hungry people do with others. And, and I'll, I'll get to the scriptures here in a minute. Number one, they worship together. Number two, they encourage one another. I'll have these in the uh, sermon notes section of the Acceleration Church app, which is a fantastic app. Yeah, yes. Yes. <clears throat> if you haven't got it, you can download it from the Apple Store. Apple, what's it called? Google Apple Google. iStore. Apple Tunes. I'll think of it's the Google Play Store and the Apple uh, App Store. <sighs> and I'm the Apple guy. That's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, you can, yeah, there you go. You can download that app from, from the stores uh, for free. It's a free app. It's great. There's no in-app purchases or nothing crazy like that. It's all free. Uh, it's got a Bible in there. It's got uh, our sermon notes, so the notes will be in there. Um, we have the recordings of the audio, so that's under sermon audio. Um, <clears throat> there's forms in there, like if you want to sign up for class or sign up for baptism or whatever. There's all kinds of stuff in there. All kinds of good, good stuff. Um, so, four things hungry people do. They worship together. They encourage one another. They give affection to one another. And they get equipped together. I have no idea why three months ago I didn't put these in my notes. But there's an app for that. So, Romans 12.10. Let's read some of these together. If you have your Bible... Turn over in your Bible. <laughs> we used to have a keyboard player many years ago at church I went to. He always joked about this. While you're looking for Romans 12, 10 in your Bibles. I'll tell a quick story. He always, he always said, you know, it was always funny sounding to me whenever some praise and worship leader would get up there. This is back in the days of, of hymns. And he would say, turn over in your hymnal to page 253. And he goes, that always made me feel like I was laying down in my hymnal and I was just turning over in my, in my hymnal. So every time I hear somebody say, turn over the page, I just, I just picture somebody turning over. Okay, so uh, Romans 12.10. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. That's Romans 12.10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. How many of you think that you can do that if you don't come together? Right? If you have a church by yourself at home in the internet? I did that for a year, so, you know, my toes are just stepped on as anybody else. <laughs> if you're sitting at home trying to have church by yourself on the internet, you can't come together and be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. You're isolated. Amen. If you're isolated, you are a very big target for the enemy. Yes. Yes. 
think of a war, and all the troops are over here, and you go running out here in this battlefield by yourself, who's the enemy going to take down first? This powerful force of an army, or you standing up by yourself, isolated? Make your flame, Kevin. So these are four things hungry people do with others, by coming together with them. And Romans 12 says that we should be kindly affectionate in brotherly love to one another. The next one is 1 Corinthians. If you want to turn over, turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and 26. Just want to give you a word for everything that I said. Worship, encourage one another, give affection, and get equipped. Just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up. It is actually in the Word. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Did I go to the right verse? Yeah, yeah I did. Okay. Uh, 14, 26. Uh, Let all things be done for edification. So he's saying, come together and sing and teach and prophesy and pray in the Spirit. Why? So that you can edify one another. That word edify is just a fancy term for build one another up. Yeah. <coughs> or encourage one another. Second uh, Corinthians 13.11 is our next scripture. Again, I'm just giving you Bible for the four things that hungry people do with others, which is to worship, encourage one another, give affection, and get equipped. Second Corinthians 13... And 11. Oops, I missed that up. 13, 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, I'm not sure. Did I go to the right place? Yes. Yes. So, wait, did I go to 13, 11? Okay, yes. yeah. Okay, that's more of the give affection stuff. Uh, first, uh, first Thessalonians three ten. Um, where's that? First Thessalonians three ten. Um, wow, that's a weird place, but no, of a verse. For, is it First Thessalonians three ten? Okay. Um, We'll start with nine. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. Says, therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So in other words, he's telling them, doing a great job, keep it up. Comfort each other, edify one another, come together, encourage one another. Uh, Hebrews 10.24 is our next one. We're almost done, I promise. And then I'm going to preach another sermon, and then you'll fall asleep. <laughs> Part 2. Okay, uh, 10.24. Uh, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Not us, obviously, because we're here. So. <laughs> we did good. 
but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So there is your, there's your scripture for coming together and stirring up love and good works and encouraging one another. And then, uh, let's see, that was Hebrews 10. The next will be Her uh, Hebrews, Herbers? Hebrews 13.21. And uh, it says, Make you complete. And I see again, that's weird. I don't know why. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And the final one, 2 Peter 1, 7. Seven is our last scripture. Again, we'll back up to five. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge. That's the whole study in the word. To knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So come together right now. There's a song like that. <laughs> I don't know people's reference. So, just to summarize, the seven things hungry people do alone, they pray, they speak in tongues, they fast, they worship, they read the Bible, they study the Word, they meditate on personal prophecy. And the four things that hungry people do with others, which means we got to come together, is worship, encourage one another, give affection, and get equipped. Amen. And so again, we can choose whether or not we're going to be fruitful. Amen. We can choose to be 30, 60, or 100-fold soil. Yeah. We can choose to focus on the kingdom and the eternal rather than on the temple. Yeah. We can choose to be no fruit, some fruit, or good fruit. Yeah. Amen. So this body, this local body, Acceleration Church, yeah. is going to be a fruitful body yes. in 2019. Yes. It is. It already is. It already is. So focus on the Word. Focus on the Spirit. Spend time with your daddy talking to him. Stay continual in continual uh, communication with him. And choose to be one who bears good fruit. So, for example, if you're uh, reading the Word and it says to pray for those who spitefully use you and curse you. You mean that guy coming off the traffic? You mean a jerky work? Jerky work. <laughs> You're on one today. Yes, those people. You're supposed to pray for them. So if you're reading through the Word and it says something that you're doing and you're not supposed to, or it says something that you should do and you're not, just say, ouch, on me. And then go, okay, Daddy, your Word says it. I'm going to do it. That's, that's him. Prudent. He's cutting that off. So you can produce more fruit. Because he rewards those who diligently 
Seek Him. See, we get all this great teaching on faith and how to receive those things that we're believing for. But you're not going to be fruitful unless you're diligently seeking Him. Amen. If you're not spiritually hungry, how can you spiritually receive everything you're asking your spiritual father for? Amen? Amen. This is good news, y'all. Yes. Again, I'm not getting on nobody. I don't know y'all's life. I don't know what y'all doing at home in your prayer closet by yourself. Amen. If this is for you, just take it, say on me, and go home and work on it. Yes. I know it's for me. I know it's actually, I know it's for all of us. You know why? Because the word of God says that we go from one level of faith to the next level. We go from one level of glory to the next level. What, what, is that, what is that talking about? It says that we're made in the image and likeness of Christ. We're supposed to be coming more and more like Christ. How many of y'all remember the story of the mountain of transfiguration where Jesus and a couple of disciples went up on the mountain and this cloud comes down. And a couple of prophets show up in the cloud, and Jesus turns into something so completely different they don't even recognize him. And he's all glowing, and they're like, whoa. Y'all remember that story? Everybody remember that story? Mount of Transfiguration? It says that, that he was, in the Greek, metamorphosed, kind of like a, a caterpillar into a butterfly. That same Greek word. Of what happened to Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. Where, where he became so full of the glory of God. That he was like shining. And became unrecognizable. That same Greek word. Is over in. I forget which book. One of Paul's books. Where he says. That we are to be transformed. By the renewing of our mind. So as a spiritually hungry person. Who is seeking after God. And letting him prune us. And digging into the word. And spending time praying in the spirit. So that we receive wisdom from him. We will begin to be metamorphosed, that same Greek word, from one level of glory to the next. Our end game, our, the, the, the goal line, the finish line at the end of this race is to be like Jesus was on that mountain. Yes. Praise God. Now, that may sound like you're crazy. That's way up there. But no. no. That is the end goal. Yes. God wants us to be like Christ. Yes. Yes. To be full of the glory like Christ. It says that the glory of the Lord will cover the, the earth as the waters cover the sea. Yes. How is that going to happen if we're not full of glory? We're the glory manifested on earth to bring king, the kingdom of heaven to earth. So that the glory of the Lord covers the world as waters cover the sea. And the only way that that's going to happen is for us to transform, metamorphose from one level of glory to the next. And the only way that's going to happen is to be spiritually hungry, to dig in, to do all of these things. That I talked about today of what we're going to do. So we can choose to be good soil. Be fruitful and multiply. That was the original command. That God gave Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. Take the kingdom and spread it out to the whole earth. God's plan hasn't changed. Amen. Just because man messed it up. See God had a plan before man messed it up. And he already built in the redemption plan so that we could get back to the beginning and still do what his original plan was. To be fruitful and multiply. How many of you are going to choose this day to be good soil? I want to be hundredfold soil. I want to bear much fruit. I want to grow and increase. Amen? I want to choose to focus on the unseen eternal realm and I want to please my daddy by faith. And receive the rewards that 
that he has for me because I'm diligently seeking him and I want to have energy, an energetic passion to pursue our Father. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope you all enjoyed the word today. Father, thank you for this word. We thank you for the grace that you've given us to live this life. We thank you for your anointing, for your power, for your love, for your spirit, for your word. We are so grateful. We are so blessed. Thank you. You you could have you could have left us in our sin. You could have left us in our condition. But you chose to have a plan before this time began. Before the universe, before the Big Bang, before the happened, before all of this even started, you knew what would happen and you put a plan in place. And that, that plan was to have your perfect son come and die on a cross to take upon the sins of the world that we might die with Christ and then raise to newness of life. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never prayed the prayer that says, Father, I believe that Jesus came to die on a cross for me, to die for my sins, and to crucify me on the cross and raise me up with him to newness of life, to become a new creation. If you've never prayed that prayer, ask everybody to bow your heads this morning. If you've never prayed that prayer, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And everybody else, if you will, too, just to give them some encouragement this morning. Just say this with me. Say, Father, Father thank you for Jesus. I know I've messed up. Sometimes on purpose. Sometimes by mistake. But I thank you that Jesus died for my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new creation. Fill me with your spirit. Save me from my sins. And all these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you've never prayed that prayer and you prayed for the first time today, we passed out some cards. Um, grab what they do. Looks like this. Okay, I think it's the same one that you use to fill up for offering. But on, on the back it says, yeah, that's on the screen. On the back it says, yes, uh, I say yes to Jesus and commit my life to Christ as my Lord. If you will check that box and, and then fill in the front. Uh, when the ushers come around and take up the offering, if you'll put that in the offering plate. So that we know that you've made a commitment to Christ. So the Bible says you need to publicly declare that you have accepted Christ.